Welcome to Skip It. I'm Lee, and joining me is Ashwin. Hi, guys. And John. Hello. And today we're discussing the season one finale, which means it's also our season one finale and the last step for a few weeks, which is pretty exciting. I think I'm pretty impressed we did this. Yeah, it's just amazing how quickly the time has gone. I think maybe having it on purpose for the last year sort of helped it fly by. So cool. Thanks, Gibby. Definitely uh, filled in those gaps in time and um, very enjoyable to do it with you guys as well. I think that was a big highlight for me. So, it, yeah, it's been a really great journey. It has. And I hope that all of our listeners enjoyed the dynamic between us, the different perspectives. So let's live up to that and blast it out of the water with this finale. This is episode 39, which is called View Matt. It aired September 23rd, 1968. As we mentioned, it's the season finale and therefore, fittingly, was directed by series regular Max Varnell and head writer Ross Napier. Starring this week is, of course, Ed Devereaux as Matt, Ken James and Gary Pankhurst, who play his sons, Mark and Sonny, Tony Bonner as their pilot, Jerry, Liza Goddard as Clancy Merrick, and Skippy, played by you know what we've come to learn, are many female kangaroos. We also have a few guest stars, one of whom kicks off the show, so let's hop into it. You see what I did there? Yes. Hey. Very, very uh, cricket. <laughs> oh, <good time. laughs> Those mute buttons aren't working now. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> I was on mute. You don't have to tell me if you're going to come up with a pun. Give me some warning. That's the time when you need, and they play it so many times in this episode, that like clarinet going like the... (laughs) All right. Well, this episode starts with Matt at the doctor's, and he's getting his blood pressure read. Max Osbiston, who plays Dr. Morton in this scene, had a career spanning from the 1940s to the 1980s, all of it on TV. Now, what you really want to know, of course, is if one of those shows was Homicide. Now, I'm going to ask you, John Ashwin, place your bets. Yes or no? Was he in Homicide? Yes. John? I'm going to bet a million dollars that he was in Homicide. I think we've all won this bet because absolutely he (laughs) was definitely in Homicide. But the interesting thing is he played a few roles in the show. So he played three characters I found was Senior Detective Malloy, a character named Murdoch, and another called Vincent Williams. So I'm not sure if he was a split personality in the show or if they just, <laughs> they just ran out of Skippy guest stars and had to start they, like recycling. They did do that a lot in the 60s. Like Star Trek did that. Tons, Hawaii Five-0, just all the cop shows would have done it because it was pretty easy because after like 50 episodes... <laughs> Surely the person's forgotten that that person was the, uh, you know, innocent person in that scene. Now they're the criminal. Yes. Well, in this scene on Skippy, Dr. Morton, he immediately becomes the love doctor, telling Matt how much of a shame it is that a man in the prime of his life doesn't have the companionship of a good woman. And I want you to note the hetero angle here. It wasn't a good partner, but a woman. Ashwin, I'm going to start with you. Just on this point, do you think that him saying this dates the show? Yeah, there's a couple of lines. There's one that even dates it more than this, but this is the prelude to that line. It does date it, but not just the woman-man thing, also that you have to be in a relationship. I think we're comfortable more now being single. A lot more people are single into adulthood. They have passions. Um, Coming from India, there's a lot more single men that pursue a spiritual life and women now. You become a a swami, a guru, a tantra. You get into all sorts of spiritual paths. There's so many ways to live other than just moving to the suburbs with a spouse. Um, so that's just a, a kind of myopic 50s Western view. So I guess that's what's coming out here. Even when he was saying that, I was like, oh, Matt's got a nice life out there doing helicopter runs and bush rescues and sending out, you know, going to rescue the tape recorder. Just It's quite a nice bush single 
adventurer's life. So why does he have to cram it back yeah. into a relationship again? He keeps himself very busy and they tend to be able to look after themselves in most apartments. And when you think about it, for the boys especially, like growing up without a mother is terrible, but they would be forced to do all of those things that mothers would normally probably do. Therefore, probably preparing them for like going out into the world a little bit more and then looking after their families when it came to that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. It was just just very much a sign of the times. Or, oh, yeah. Or... This episode did definitely, like, you you, we, you know, once once you think, think this show is, like, super progressive, you know, they'll oh, throw, up, throw a few, few hot takes at you and you'll be like, oof. Yeah, there's a line coming up, and I don't want to spoil what it is yet, but it's so another one of those ones that could easily go on a shirt because it's just, <laughs> I can't wait till we get to it. So at this point, Sonny comes in to listen as Dr. Morton tells Matt that he too was a widower and his life was empty until he remarried. He says he knows how devastated Matt was by the loss of his wife and then tells Matt he needs a wife. So Matt sarcastically says he'll put an ad in the paper. The doctor says, yeah, look, while you might joke, you should definitely listen to him. And Matt is left pondering this as we cut to the credits. So we don't get a lot of background about how his wife died. In fact, we've never really got much information about that. But I do find that whenever the fact he's a widower is referenced, it does add another dimension to his character. Um, I know, John, you like those sort of references to that aspect. Well, as I said, it gives him a bit of backstory. And it's a whole aspect of Skippy we just haven't explored yet. And I do always find it fascinating, like, what Matt was like with his wife, what Matt's wife was like, you know, just in general. Uh, so, and we don't really get an impression. We know she's a good lady, but that's about it. Yeah. And also, the doctor called her Mrs. Hammond. And if you were good enough to know the person, you'd call her Barbara or Ruth. Obviously, that was for our benefit as the viewer to know it was Mrs. Hammond. But sometimes when you reveal a name, like it reveals what kind of person they would be like. Like your image of a Mavis is going to be different to an image of a snake or whatever her name might be. And that's the way you would write it in a drama now. You would say, because people don't give you everything. You know, you've got a, a lot of the time with that sort of stuff, you do have to figure it out yourself. So that's why I find it interesting that they sort of totally ignore this, for me, a fascinating sort of aspect. Yeah. Um, all right, so after the credits, Sonny comes out of the house and sits with Skippy, who's eating from her dog bowl or something. Like, okay. Um, he talks to her about how the doctor said Matt was unhappy and lonely because he doesn't have a wife. Sonny agrees with this assessment, and as Matt comes out with the doctor to send him on his way, Sonny notes that he's missing a button. Matt notices it too and says he'll sew it on, to which Sonny then says, and this is the classic Roth Napier line we've been waiting for. So get ready for it, listeners. Sonny's line is sewing buttons that's a woman's job skip so i'm keen to get both your opinions on this i'm going to start with you ashwin this is a very important question is sewing buttons a woman's job well that's this line was you just classic 1950s because i've forgotten sunny's because sunny always seems like the progressive kind of kid and, and the modern character in the show so i was like oh yeah no this definitely dates the show obviously it's not a woman's job but maybe back then it was you know that was the how gender divided our society was it was such a normal thing to say like the fact that they wrote it in the show means they didn't think twice about that social more uh, yeah. back at the time so yeah i guess yeah. back then it seemed like it was i was gonna ask you john but i know you already do think that sewing is a woman's job so i thought oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i actually think the total opposite and i think it's sort of really interesting because that in the army a lot of soldiers wouldn't necessarily have a woman around to sew their buttons on so i'm assuming that a lot of 
men would have to learn to sew their buttons on at some stage. You know what I mean? Especially if they were single. And like, it's something that I learned very early on because like having to wear a school uniform, I was like losing (laughs) buttons all the time. And my mom didn't have time for that crap. So, you know, I just was like, I'll just do it myself. And sewing buttons is really simple, Sonny. Mm. Come on. Yeah. I think as well, like nowadays when men and women both work, it's not like you've just got a, you know, the stereotypical 50s housewife who's got nothing else to do but run the, which mind you, nothing else to do. It's been established many times Mm. how much work that is. But, you know, that that she's got the time to go do that. You know, I know you're both, your parents worked. I think all of our parents, both of them worked. Of course. So he's telling this line to Skippy, who is a woman as well. So it's like, well, just, you know, confront yeah. your privilege, Sonny. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. As I said, it's a very, like, broad comment that very ignorant for Sonny. But he is a kid, and I guess I get it, but a way big assumption for him to say. I also think they wanted a line there that would give Sonny a reason to want mm. to bring a mum or a wife into the household. Right. They chose a sexist line. They could have chosen something else. But I don't know. They were, Ross was searching for a line that gave the rest of the storyline. Loneliness would have been probably a little bit better, which yeah. I was very, yeah. like, thought it was a pretty funny line. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, you're right. It, it definitely was the catalyst to what happens next. Because from that statement, Sonny decides that if Matt had a wife, it would solve everything. So he goes to Clancy who is ironing another subtle nod to women's business, clearly, because of all the things she could have been doing. And then he asks her if she'll get married when she grows up. And she said, well, she is grown up. And so Sunny asks her why she isn't married. And then cut to this awkward expression on Clancy's face, because you do not ask a woman that. And then she says that she's not really old enough, which I thought was also interesting. It raised an interesting question about, like, is she also a teenager? Is she around Mark's age? I've really, never really had that clarified. Mm. But Sunny still pondering, asks her if she thinks Jerry will marry. And she says she supposes so. And as long as he meets the right girl, then maybe he will. And again, not partner, but girl. Ixnay on the gay yay in the show. I just cannot do it. (laughs) Yeah, no no gays. No. No, I think if one character was going to come out during the show, it'd be Dr. Stark. (laughs) Oh, definitely. definitely. And he's got a thing for Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. The way to portray Jerry, Jerry would be the most homophobic out of anyone in this in this show. <laughs> I don't know. I think he, he like he's in this. It's in the sixties, going into seventies. He's a young man. I don't I know. know. I think he'd be open to it. It's more just like every time he sees a girl walk past, it's just like he can't. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> like he's got a preference. Yeah. But, um, you know, who knows what, what happens in the uh, in the moment. Well, that's true. Um, so Clancy says that Sonny might one day also get married, and he looks pretty disturbed by this, as you probably would when you're an eight-year-old. Um, yeah. So finally, Sonny asks if his dad should remarry, and Clancy is forced to kind of talk to him about why people choose to get married. Being lonely comes up again. I'm also interested to ask you this, Ashwin. Is this the only reason people should get married, to avoid loneliness? I just think it's such a bad reason to get married, but... Maybe that's where we were back then, just married for practical reasons. You know, don't be lonely, uh, have someone to look after you. But now, since in the 60 years since the show has been written, the, the, the government has provided a lot of the services that partners used to provide each other. There's technology now, there's activities, there's less social stigma around being alone. So you don't have to get married for loneliness anymore. There's different things you can do, but the pressures were different back then. And you can see that in the, in the writing. Yeah. 
Well, Sunny then asked Clancy if she'd compare marriage to his relationship with Skippy. And she says no at first, but then decides it is sort of like that. And I was hoping she didn't mean too much. Um, <laughs> apparently in the 60s, you can't be gay, but bestiality is fine. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, Kangaroos. It is Australia. Yeah. He asked then if she thinks Matt is, in fact, lonely, and she doesn't really know. Um, he asked Clancy if he did want to get married, what should he do? And it's highlighted here that there's a shortage of women around where they live, which is absolutely true. We've commented on that before when we've been reviewing these shows. Clancy agrees and says that he can get around that fact by putting an ad in the paper. And Sunny doesn't quite get what that means. So struggling to explain it, she shows him the personal column in the paper and reads an example from a self-described refined lady of means where the term view Matt which is also the app's title, is included. Sonny perks up at this, and Clancy has to say it doesn't mean Matt like his dad, but it actually is just an abbreviation of matrimony. And essentially, this woman has just indicated that she wants to find a husband. So this is pretty much the Tinder of its day, where you had to get a newspaper to do this, which probably happened all the way up to, I mean, I'm going to guess, until the internet. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely guess that too. There, there wouldn't be much use for it otherwise. No, yeah, it's today you still see those matrimonial ads but i was actually quite worried at this point that sunny was going to use his radio school to announce matt's singledom and declaration he's done that before with with that irish guy the billionaire went yeah finding mr trundle or whatever that would have been probably a more effective way because i think he would have found someone that had the same interests on the end of a radio than in in a newspaper (laughs) Well, Sonny says that he's heard his dad talking about ads like this to Dr. Morton, and Clancy thinks that's totally out of character. Sonny agrees, saying he's probably a bit shy. Clancy, at that point, realizes that the iron is burning the shirt she was working on, which gives Sonny the opportunity to take the newspaper to a chair and ponder. He repeats the refined lady of means bit a few times, trying to understand it. Clancy suggests that he looks up the word refined in the dictionary, which he does, purified and free from impurities, it says, which he thinks means she takes a lot of baths. So we're kind of establishing this comedic tone here. John, with this tone being set up like this, were you hooked at this point? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I sort of immediately loved the whole um, obsession Sonny had with baths and the meaning he took with purity and and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was – and it pays off. Um, definitely. But yeah, no, he was uh, hilarious, Sonny. And I'm also as well interested with you, Ashwin, because obviously you're a professional comedian, you do stand-up and, and radio. So do you like it when the show takes a bit of a detour from the sort of grim action-based episodes and has a bit more of a comedic turn? Yeah, it's nice when it goes whimsical because, you know, you know, there's not going to be a kidnapping for once in the <laughs> show. That's always quite lovely. Um, and I was like, yeah, maybe refine that. It's a nicer meaning. He takes lots of baths. I mean, that's actually more important. Then you know, listen to yeah, my. It's very, very, yeah. It is probably more important than being pure. Yeah. All right. So Matt comes in, and Sunny tries to hide what he's doing. He asks Matt what a lady of means means, and Matt explains that it means he'd have lots of money, but he doesn't, and nor is he a lady. So he kind of dismisses it that way. And Sunny offhandedly comments, though, that Matt is educated. And when Matt agrees and walks off, Sunny mentions to Skip how perfect the lady in this paper sounds for Matt especially the part about her being rich. In the ad, it requests a photo be sent by anyone interested. 
And so Sonny immediately goes off, searches through a drawer and finds one of Matt from, I'm guessing about 10 years earlier. It's a black and white pic of Matt, I'm guessing using a still from his acting portfolio. Yeah, it's an Ed Devereux publicity shot. <laughs> Definitely looks like it. I'm curious as well, Ashwin, to know from your side, if you were a lady of means, would that shot have done it for you? No, he looks too happy. And I had to double take and go, is that Matt or is that some actor from the time? So I was like quite he, confused by that picture. He did look uh, really different didn't he? Yeah, he looked different, almost too different. So if I was a lady of means, maybe that's a bit young. Maybe you need a moustache and a monocle. The tone of the photo reminded me of like, you know, in the Squid Games where they all get their photo taken and the main guy just puts on a big goofy smile. It was sort of like that. It's, it's um, Ed Devereux's Squid Games photo. But just having those old photos like people used to have lying around. John, do you have any portraits of yourself looking debonair and suave like that? No, I don't. I never went into acting, but I remember having to get a lot of family portraits, like, you know, photos. But I never had to do a under-the-chin shot, like, uh, out of Napoleon Dynamite or anything like that. (laughs) God. (laughs) And Sonny was just giving it away willy-nilly. Like, isn't Matt going to be like, hey, where's that super sexy photo of me that was lying around? That was the the last photo my wife took of me you know yeah. <laughs> who knows so from here we cut to sunny in his room and he's typing up a response to the ad he addresses it dear lady since she didn't include her name in the ad and in this letter he tries to address her once highlighting matt is quiet and educated and takes a bath sometimes <laughs> twice which I thought was a nice little cute comedic moment again. Skip, meanwhile, is there giving her two cents about what he should include in the letter. They also use the opportunity to zoom in again on the pick of Matt, again using their clarinet version of that, like, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, just like, this is so goofy. Like, they knew what they were doing with that photo. So from there, we see Matt working in his office, and Mark comes in to check if he wants anything in town. Matt asks him to post some letters and says Clancy has some to post too. It's just in time for Sunny to overhear Mark asking her for them and he springs up advising that he's got a letter that he wants to get sent to. Before Mark can get a clear answer from Sonny on who it's for, Jerry shouts for him to get going and Mark then drives off with the letter, none the wiser. Do you guys notice that oftentimes Jerry is really almost like the two I see. He really encourages them to get cracking, get going, hurry up. <laughs> yeah, he's always yeah. like in a rush, isn't he? Yeah. He's probably got a date. And also this is the years before car aircon, so he's just probably burning up inside that little hole. <laughs> he's just like, I'm bloody sweating my head off. Oh yeah, yeah. down the bush. Oh, you can imagine. Yeah. So in the next scene, Skippy is collecting the mail for Matt. So we've jumped ahead about a week here. And Matt also urges her to hurry up at the letterbox. So it definitely made me think, why is everyone at this park in such a hurry? We see more dead hand shots of Skippy putting the letter into her pouch. And she goes to deliver them and takes them out with her mouth. Matt thanks her. We see Sonny immediately come over, excited to read if one of those letters is a response to his ad. The first one is just one from the Forestry Commission, which Sonny doesn't really care about. And on that, Mark asks him why for the last week he's been so interested in the mail and says that if he'd rather, he can instead come help him with the horses. Sonny agrees, and they kind of have a shot of Matt looking a bit surprised at how compliant he's being. Is that how, John, did you interpret that moment there of that look on Matt's face of being, you know, why is he being so accommodating? Yeah, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what was going on there. Maybe it was just suspicion on him, like going, what the deal is with Sonny? What's he in the mail? I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Did you get this whole episode? Like, Matt never asked a follow up question. Like, he always says, Why are you being weird? And everyone gives like some flimsy answer. And he's like, Okay. And okay, then he just. <laughs> 
Well, from here, we see Sonny getting his sneakers on, and he's complaining to Skippy about how it's been a week and still no response to his letter. He greets Matt, and before they leave, Matt mentions to Clancy where they're going and that Ernie Stubbs is around doing some clearing for him and that he'll come in for some tea later. He warns her to watch over the silverware, despite claiming that Ernie has turned over a new leaf. So she agrees and goes to practice on the piano. Matt and Sonny go to greet Ernie, and let's go into a little bit about who plays Ernie. Ernie was played by Ron Shand, another actor with a healthy career from the 50s to the 90s. All right, John Ashman, second chance to guess here. I know you got it right the first time. Was he in Homicide? I'm going to have to say yes. I guess they were just good friends with the show, and just this is just what happened. <laughs> I'm going to say yes to. There's really no other answer in this, because of course he was. He also played Herbert Evans in a show called Number 96, and Pop Milsom in the 80s classic Prisoner Cell Block H, which is um, still, I think, in syndication. It's still a super popular show. Um, Interestingly, though, his earliest role was an accordion player in a movie called Kangaroo. Oh, wow. It's the second time that we've had someone in a show from that Kangaroo show. It's just a weird bit of serendipity, I think. Must be like just an inside industry joke. Like, let's get as many people we can from Kangaroo in this. Yeah. Well, Matt tells Ernie not to strain himself, and the impression is that he's really not a hard worker. And then they have a little bit of banter. Matt and Sonny leave, and Ernie then immediately sneaks a swig from his hip flask. This actually is pretty good setting up of his character. It's fairly important for what happens later on about what kind of a person that Ernie is. Now, while this is going on, a taxi arrives, and in describing this woman, I have to do it the way that it kind of needs to be done. It's an old fat woman wearing a terribly gaudy outfit. She gets out, and this thing is pink from head to toe, including her feathery hat. Um, and she eagerly calls out, Yee-hoo! as she rushes to the ranger station. So this lady, I mean, I'm being a bit mean to call her a fat old lady, but the, yeah, the, I was I was gonna say homely. That's a lot <laughs> but well, she gets called a lot worse later on from Jerry. So but she's like a cartoon, pretty she much. Is. She is. And Beryl Cheers is the actor who plays this nightmare, who's named Prudence Frith. She starred in a few things across the 60s and the start of the 80s, including regular roles in Class of 75, which was also filmed in 1975, and kind of naming itself out of relevance by the next year, I thought was really interesting to call it that. <laughs> um, she was, yeah. um, also a regular role of Mrs. Reagan in The Young Doctors. No more bets here, because you should all know by now, of course, she was in Homicide. Um, if you're hired for Skippy, it's pretty mandatory that you go on to feature in that show, so... Yeah. Hearing her arrive, Clancy comes out to see what's the matter, and Prudence says she's looking for the handsome Mr. Hammond. And we should point out that Clancy, she's wearing ranger gear, but it's tinted pink. I'm kind of thinking, guess what color direction the costume director had Mm. when it came to the female clothes that he or she had to make for this? So, John, I mean, do you think it was a bit ridiculous that it was a pink ranger outfit, or again, do you think it was just apropos for the time? To be honest, I have have not, I didn't even notice. Like, I didn't even really notice what she was wearing. Yeah, it was sort of exactly exactly the same but pink but it didn't have any like ranger badges or anything on it no i have a feeling that it could have been a coincidence but yeah now like i go yeah it was pretty much the uniform but pink yeah because the whole thing was pink it matched and it had the same like sort of belt stuff yeah Yeah. i didn't notice much about her color scheme but more her mannerism she was just nervous the whole episode i'm not sure if it was the dialogue or she was hamming up that mood but just from the moment Sunny started talking to her to Mrs. Frith arriving, she just had this permanent PTSD anxiety sort of character through the whole episode. I reckon PTSD super... is exactly right, because when you think through as much as everyone in the show, any new person is a threat. She's, she's been traumatised, and she's got, a, she's got a right to be awkward and a little yeah. bit like... 
like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, Bad enough. Yeah. They're all they'd all be pretty, I would think, agoraphobic at this point, or just yeah. very nervous about any strangers. So Clancy tells Prudence she's missed Matt and asks if he was expecting her. And she says it was to be a bit of a surprise and highlights how much she loved his letter. Jerry then pulls up and Clancy introduces him and explains the letter and photo situation. Jerry can't understand it. And in his confusion, while Prudence starts to sort of wonder about the house, asks again to Clancy, what is going on? And who is that old bat? So again, he really gives her a much harsher <laughs> description. So Clancy then works out what might have happened. Jerry says he'll straighten it all out. He goes to ask Prudence and she goes off at him saying that the letter that Matt wrote was too personal to share, but she can show one artifact and pulls out that professional photo of Matt. And Jerry is just gobsmacked at this <laughs> this picture, just kind of like we all were. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, what a stupid picture of Matt. That's right. No one was, like, impressed by it. It wasn't like, no. oh, that dashing Look, handsome look at that young. handsome man. Yeah, yeah. No, everyone was like, oh, what a goof. He never strikes that face. As current Matt, the most you ever get out of him is a smirk. You never get an actual open mouth smile. So just so out of character. No. And actually, just, I mean, it puts a bit of a sad tint on it. But what you said, John, about what if that was the last picture that his wife took of him? <laughs> that kind of means that that might have been the last moment he was genuinely happy, which is pretty <laughs> sad if you put that tint on it. If, yeah, if you want to take that dark tone, yeah. <laughs> Which we will. Um, of course, we have to have an angle. Yeah. Now, we head over to the river where Matt and Sonny are working, and Sonny calls Matt over to a giant wombat lying on its side. It's huge. I think people who haven't seen a wombat, like, they are big animals. It looks dead at the start when he's just... Yeah, like, it looks drugged. It's definitely not a stuffed one. Because it's not it's dead. It's, it doesn't look dead because it's... I can see it's sort of moving slightly, but it is yeah. very lethargic. I don't yeah. know whether it would be drugged or since we know that they've done this before with Skippy probably. or if it was hungover. <laughs> well, we yeah, they probably fed. maybe gave it a little bit of methanol or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was roofied. So Matt joins him and explains that it's a rock wombat and that they're quite rare. And did you notice, uh, I'll ask you, John, if you noticed this, did you notice how when Matt put his finger to the wombat's mouth, he got bitten? And I'm wondering if that was an accident and they just kept it in. Did you notice that? Oh no, I didn't. Now I've got to go back and watch it. Um, yeah, he puts no, that that's now. interesting. And did you notice that it was really awkwardly dubbed too? Oh, I didn't notice that. But I guess being outside, it could have been windy yeah. and noisy. That's what I sort of just figured. But maybe it bit him, and he like went bloody wombat. Oh, jeez. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to note because I put it down in the notes, we can't go past this. You do see his little wombat balls. I, I, I didn't notice that, but okay. sorry, I, I, I saw them. They're at the bottom of the screen. They were pretty clear. Maybe yeah. Matt, when he came over, accidentally stood on them, and that's why, <laughs> that's why he bit him. Oh, yeah, he does. Yes, I just watched it. He did try to bite him. I reckon they just redub it because he was like, bloody hell. Yeah, that's well, we interesting. We also know the animals on this park speak, so maybe the wombat was like, just, he's like stepped on his nuts, and then... He was, uh, he was an angry drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These days, if you had like wombat balls on a kid's show, would that get blurred out? <laughs> Little pants uh, on him. Yeah, yeah, they were. <laughs> some pants. <laughs> well, you just get a female wombat. Why do we care about seeing wombat nipples? Yeah. Oh, well, um, and but that, no, I don't think they're that prominent, but I, I think that made me think of like, imagine if Skippy was a male kangaroo, there would be a shitload of awkward shots. Because <laughs> yeah. if anyone's seen a big male kangaroo, sitting around yeah, there's um, a reason that they're tough 
filled to the brim with testosterone from their mighty testicles, basically. (laughs) So there's a very smart reason why they chose, obviously for the pouch, but also that would have been a massive issue with that getting in the camera's way all the time. How could you think, though, that if you had big kangaroo balls like that, would your best fighting method be to go on your tail and lift your legs up in a spread, pretty much just showing your nuts to get kicked? And that's what they do all the time. That's how they fight. Yeah, it's insane. Maybe maybe the first thing is just to show them to be like, you really want a piece of this? Check out the size of these nuts. They might like like, um, retract them. They'd want it when they fight. So you're saying it's not like a Philly neck lizard showing its frills as they show their balls. <laughs> no, like, well, they, they might do it at the start, but then it's like fight mode activate, <laughs> and it's yeah, like Batman's uh, car where it just armor. <laughs> so it's sort of yeah, that's what I'm imagining happens. Maybe just so they don't, they're not in the way all the time. Oh yeah. Well, see, the thing is, John, now that you pointed out that the Wombat's balls were showing, it makes my next note quite awkward because Matt at this point tells Sonny to go get his camera. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta get a photo. That could be Wildlife Picture of the Year award back then. So, totally different context to that line now. He he could have been just taking a photo from the neck up or the neck down. if you could just, he's like, just make sure you get the zoom lens. Yeah. Um, like the next time I have a photo to send out to the ladies, I'm going to Photoshop these balls on the box. <laughs> now we're making this extremely dirty. The reason he wants a photo is because it's supposedly a, a rare Wombat. Uh, okay. So he does say to go get the camera and Sonny and Skippy rush off to get it. We go back to the station. Clancy and Jerry, they're horrified now to hear Prudence opera singing, which is just another layer of annoyance and she comes out and say that she's not like terrible opera singer i think she can sing she's just putting on high-pitched opera yes and it's just the noise like she's just yeah prudence comes out says to clancy that she'd like to freshen up and they send her to the bathroom skippy then comes back and enters the house ignoring the constant singing and she grabs the camera with her again you know insert shot of the dead hands and uses them to put the camera around her neck because it's got a little carry loop on it she then spots the picture of matt that clearly prudence has left on the desk and despite the chance for more wow 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 clarinet music still puts it in her pouch and takes it with her so skippy's um, smart here i wanted to take note that you know how jerry looked at the photo and like everyone looked at the photo skippy looked at the photo like everybody else like oh is that matt which also puts a bit of a spin on if that was his reincarnated wife she might have had more of like a tender memory of that one but, uh... <laughs> yeah it could have been but maybe it could have been like the wife's like oh i hated that photo <laughs> yeah true. Was like the worst photo so Jerry is laughing about the singing at this point. So he's now decided to go from like shock to just finding it pretty amusing. And Clancy says she still doesn't think that any of this makes sense. Jerry is laughing at how shocked Matt will be when he comes back and sees what's going on. Skippy returns to Sonny and instead of giving them the camera, shows him the picture. And it's just what Sonny needs to now realize that you know, this woman that he wrote to is actually already there. And so he just runs off without explaining anything to Matt. We see Prudence then literally tripping out the door. <laughs> she demands to know from Jerry and Clancy who took her photo. And then when they play dumb, she says she's going to find out. And then again, trips back into the station. Now, I might have been surprised about how this woman can't figure out how to walk through doors if it wasn't for the fact that she is so infatuated with a love letter clearly written by an eight-year-old. So it just <laughs> makes you realize she's probably not the smartest one that he uh, could have could and, have had. Yeah. And did you notice that she, all her fancy pretentious language is gone and she totally goes 
where'd he go? Where's that photo? Where, you know, she totally gets into, like, total, like, yobbo mode. Like, I know you're trying to stop us from getting together. Oh, like, it was actually really – I actually really enjoyed that. Like, she, all all her acts just totally dropped, uh, and it was hilarious. And she's just, like – total bitch as well like straight away saying like there'll be changes around here like assume yeah. so much like oh it was so funny but i just love that moment where she just drops the persona it's almost like that english character mrs bouquet uh who fights <laughs> yeah, she starts off as mrs bouquet but then ends yeah. up like one of yeah. the like friend of onslow or something but also on that letter i actually when i was thinking about sunny's letter it's actually in its own way it's quite good writing you know that you know, sometimes poetry like that Bukowski poet from America who wrote really childlike language, it was all just plain monosyllabic words, nothing like Byron and Keats. It'd be like rain hits my head, darkness on me, or just it was real simple and monosyllabic. So in some ways she thought, oh, Matt's just some kind of Bukowski-esque simplistic poet range. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point, Ashford. I haven't thought of it that way, but you're right. There would be a charm in the naivete of the whole thing. So, yeah. People back then, you read letters from the 50s, and it's always like, I am currently indispensed with the situation. <laughs> this is probably refreshing for a yeah. me-like lady. <laughs> Have giant wombat testicles. <laughs> he said photo of them. <laughs> Well, Sunny, meanwhile, has returned and overhears all this raucous and nervously asks Skip, oh, what have I done? And when Clancy sees him peeking his head around, she connects the dots and tells Sunny that Matt is going to flip out when he finds out what's going on. And before they can work out what to do, Ernie arrives and gives Jerry an idea. He tells Sunny, Jerry that is, tells Sunny to keep Matt busy and Sonny runs off to do so, but Matt is already coming up the driveway, so the tension is mounting. Sonny rushes over and does his best to keep him occupied, but Matt will not be deterred from going back to the station. So he enters, and Clancy now jumps in. She tries to take him away from the room that Prudence is in to show him something. They leave, and that gives Jerry time to dress up Ernie in a ranger outfit. How funny would it be if it was Clancy's pink one? <laughs> Just by accident, he grabs the wrong one. <laughs> so Prudence then comes in and sees Skippy and asks what it is. Guys, she's asking what a kangaroo is. How can she not know what that is? <laughs> like, that should be on the list of things to know. Yeah, it was weird. It should yeah, be in your, uh, yeah, definitely should be educated in schools. I just feel yeah. like Jerry should have just looked at it and been like, it's a kangaroo. Like, you're Australian. How do you not know what a kangaroo is? It's on the freaking money. <laughs> it's in <laughs> our bloody coat of arms. <laughs> yeah. oh, so Jerry says to stay back from her, insinuating that she's dangerous, which I guess in retrospect, yeah, it makes sense considering she's never seen one before and doesn't know what the hell it is. Ernie then arrives and immediately starts to play smart. So this is what I was saying before. It's quite a smart setup from before that he's kind of a dodgy character otherwise you might wonder why would he go in along with the scheme so quickly it's just kind of a mark well of course he is he's just a bit he's ernie he, he gets you know he's up for a um hijinks yeah outside clancy is showing matt what she pretended to show him and it's primroses it's like flowers again like ross you need to broaden your understanding about what <laughs> women are in like not everything has to be flowers and then matt then tells clancy that they're actually weeds they're not primroses so it also insinuates she doesn't even know what the flowers are she's talking about and, and he, he looks like, really pissed off too <laughs> he does. and so he just like throws them away um finally saying that things have gone far enough and he heads back to the station 
Inside, Ernie is trying to woo Prudence, who tries to sort of settle him down, pointing out that he doesn't really look anything like his photo. And so Jerry jumps in and hands the photo to Ernie so that he knows what she's talking about. And Ernie sort of tries to cover it and he explains how he's obviously changed a bit in the last 20 years, though underneath he's still the same old Matt. And Prudence then which is kind of a bit startling. She lifts him up and says that he's changed for the better and that now that she's found him, she'll never let him go, which immediately freaks Ernie out and he runs out the door, chased by Prudence. And it kind of, she's kind of like Miss Piggy towards Kermit. It's like a cartoon. Yeah, it just gave me that. Like, Come on, frog. Just like, oh, God. Hiya. Yeah. Um, so I was waiting for her to do that. Definitely was like that. So, But it was um, like again, a cartoon because she runs after him up the drive way yeah, it just needed like that sound effect of like when like the smoke like the and, arrows behind <laughs> like and and just a cloud of ernie um <laughs> yeah. but like the funny thing is just so you guys know ernie just to give you a picture looks he's like maybe 30 maybe 40 years older than that maybe i don't know like <laughs> at least 25 years older than that bald gray-haired very sort of um, liver spotted. So, yeah, yeah. D- a little bit different from Ed Devereaux in his prime. So she accepts this very willingly. Not only yeah. accepted, but says she prefers it. Yeah, which she I prefers thought. it, yeah. Which is like, what the hell? There was kind of this tension at this moment because every time something like this happens in the show, Matt discovers the ridiculousness and has to sort it out. And I was like, is he going to discover this pie change yeah. or not? So it's quite, that was a tension here. It's like, is he going to find out or are they going to find another way to solve this? So it's quite interesting. You're, are you're they right. going to get away with it? That's yeah. The thing. And I've, I've got a point on that. So in this moment, all that ruckus is going on with Ernie being chased out. Matt does come in and he's missed what's going on. So from here we go to the final scene. It's Clancy, Sonny and Jerry. And they're crouched on the grass a little bit away from the ranger station. And Clancy says she wonders what happened to Ernie. Jerry jokes, well, he's probably still running. And that's when Matt comes over and mentions how Ernie has just disappeared because, of course, he didn't see any of this go on. And the kids play dumb. And Matt mentions as well that one of his uniforms was missing. And they say, well, it wouldn't have been Ernie because he's no longer a thief. Skippy then comes in holding onto the missing uniform. Matt goes to pick it up from her and smells it. And he says, it smells like primroses and then walks away. So the kids all look to Skippy. Skippy gives them a wink, and here we fade out. So I guess on that point then, Ashwin, were you surprised at all the lying that they did to Matt and how this time they really did get away with it without any consequences? Got away with it, but he knows something has happened and he just doesn't want to pry any further. Like, he's happy. He knows something has happened, but that it wasn't catastrophic, so he's happy to let it go. I think that's what happened here. And oil, the smell, is like, did they end up having sex in the bushes? Is that what that references to? <laughs> yeah, I, it must be. It must it be because thing? why would he not have his uniform anymore? He's got. He's taken what? it off. There must be a connotation that they did it. Oh my god! Okay. Oh, well, I don't know. Like, uh, how did Skippy end up with the uniform? Because I was going to ask you guys that. Like, how did oh, she no. end up? Which mean- like, I like to watch. <laughs> We do know that Skippy does like to watch. She's witnessed so many things. Well, she loves babies. Maybe she likes to watch them being made as well. (laughs) And there was, I'm pretty sure there was another episode where something happens and Matt doesn't know what exactly happened at the end of it, but he knows something was up. So it's not like this hasn't happened before. So I think he knows to leave it rest. It's, I think yeah. that's it. Like, he's kind of a good dad in that, you know, if you're a good parent, there are some things that I can't 
can't let this go. I have to be the good parent, the sort of teacher, the a lesson has to be learned here. And there's other things when you kind of get the feeling like it's just kids being kids, a bit hijinksy. Yeah. I'm just going to let this one go. Let them kind of get away with it. It's okay. And, that, and that's what this episode was. It's hijinksy. It was a very yeah. light episode. Yeah. Well, I might just jump into, into my thoughts and rating for this episode. So season finale, it was another episode that was different from what we'd seen before, which look, personally, I always appreciate when they do that. They don't just rely on storylines that they're rebooting from earlier. It wasn't an action adventure at all, but a situational comedy or hijinks, like you said. It did have some funny moments and it all came from a pretty good place. I have to deduct a couple of points because of Ross's stereotyping. I know that that was just sort of OK for the time, but I had to take a little bit off for that. So I landed on still a pretty healthy rating, a rating of three and a half gum leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, John? How would you rate this episode? Yeah, okay. Well, I did like it. I, I will agree with all your points, absolutely. It was a very different episode that we've seen. We've only seen, we've only had a few light episodes, really. And I think this one was that exactly, you know. it And, and for us, for a good finale, I know they were all over the place when they aired them, but I think it was a nice finale after a lot of the big adventures. So it, it brought it down, it scaled it back. We we didn't have anything life-threatening. It was uh, definitely more of a comedic episode. So I'm going to give it for, even though there was sexist bits, but I don't know, they're sort of... It's a give and take with every episode, so yeah. it's a dichotomy that we're always going to have with these older shows, and yeah, four. Yeah, that's a good rating. How about you, Ashwin? Yeah, I'm similar. I think uh, at first I was a bit disappointed that there wasn't more action and suspense in it. There wasn't suspense and drama in it, which I kind of like the most in Skippy, but there was still hijinks. It was amusing, and we did get into a revelation about the family, because we've, we've been asking all season, what happened to Mrs. Hammond? Where is she? Mm. And we Started to peel into that subject yes. of Matt relationship with her, so I think that was that added that bolstered the episode. While the lack of suspense kind of took away for me, so I'm, I'm going to land on three point nine gum leaves. Three point nine, that's nice. Yeah. All right. So before we wrap up, John, you have a surprise question for us, like a hypothetical. Well, yeah, I sort of sprung this guy on you guys a little bit uh, on the last minute, but I just wanted to sort of throw out uh, what you guys would do. I've definitely been thinking about it, like to reboot remake whatever with Skippy like how would you do it in 2022 and I yeah I just thought I'd uh, give you some of my sort of ideas uh, if you guys wanted to hear them yeah, um, yeah and also if you guys have got some more ideas and as I said I didn't really give them much time so yeah so uh, should I just start off with mine yeah all right well yeah I've actually got three and I would do a three-pronged at- approach I would just try to cover every base. With the first one, I would try to do like an like a cartoon, but I'd basically make it original series, but like a cartoon, like Star Trek. And I'm not sure if you guys know that they did a Batman of the 1960s Batman oh, yeah. using Adam West um, yep. and Burt Ward's voices, something like that, where you could use the original actors and just have that same spirit. All of the same stuff. You would you could recast the um, other actors that are, that are no longer with us. I just thought, and I did have a few like uh, expansion episodes because you could go really crazy with it. You know, we've talked about Evil Matt. I thought Evil Robot Skippy, and that would obviously be Stark's scheme to get him. Um, and then I thought you could have an episode where Skippy's dreaming. 
And she like has like a whole fantasy about them in space and have a whole Star Trek type episode. I know I'm a bit of a fan of that. And then I thought going expanding, I don't know what they do on the later episodes, but expanding the mother element and maybe Matt telling a story pre-life with Matt and his wife or something, you know. Mm. And yeah. um, maybe, I don't know about this for you, Ashwin, I just feel like Skippy would really lend itself to Bollywood, like majorly, <laughs> yeah. like really yeah. big in a big way. So I thought maybe you could do a Bollywood Skippy. And then my last idea would just be to remake Skippy actually in the NT, like Northern Territory, in a national park up there with Aboriginal rangers, like actual Australian, you know, proper Australians, just go for the whole hog there and uh, be, be a story about that sort of a family up there with um, a pet kangaroo that gets them into all kinds of adventures and they, you know, save the day. So yeah. they're, they're all my pitches. I like that. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, definitely. And a new location would be quite fresh because you could have more yes. tropical animals, more Indonesia connection up there. So what did yeah. you guys think, Ashwin? Yeah, well, one of them is, okay, have a reboot with a series, but the, the kid is friends with a red kangaroo instead of a grey one, and it just kicks the shit out of people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And he's got balls. Yeah, massive balls. Biggest um, balls in the park. That'll be fun. And I think reboot, kind of like when Karate Kid came back as Cobra Kai, yeah. you carry on with the same characters 30 years later. Maybe like happened in the 90s. Sonny comes back to a national park. Dr. Stark's son comes back to a national park. Yeah. And the rivals kind of like a keep that rivalry going. It would yeah. almost be Sonny's son now. Maybe yeah, maybe two kids come back. Yeah, you're right. Like the, you're right. The, the grandkids almost. Yeah, intergenerational sort of a, a family connection. Mm. Come back. Or one of the third option is instead of being on a national park, almost like Kane, the martial arts thing in the seventies, where he just goes around solving oh, people. Yeah. And the lead character just wander around Australia, just sorting shit out for people. Yeah, like uh, Sunny and Skippy do like Highway to Heaven type thing. And I guess any series that comes back today just seems to come back darker. Like modern Batman is darker than <laughs> maybe there's child trafficking, there's refugees, there's climate <laughs> just a bit darker in general. So yeah. They have to save the Great Barrier Reef from the federal government. Yeah. Yeah, Lee, what did, what did you have as an idea? Well, yeah, like, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned the traveling bit because I did have one of my notes that I just quickly thought was definitely leaving the ranch, helping other stations, kind of like traveling investigators, like Skippy PI. So I definitely agreed with that. As soon as you said that, I kind of... Well, then I also thought, like, what if it's Sunny and at this point Skippy has a Joey, so it's kind of like Scooby and Scrappy Doo. Oh, it's my kind God. Of like that, kind of like the Scrappy didn't equivalent. Even, the other thing didn't I even go for was, the next generation. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, but then I also thought, what if we also played up that reincarnation angle just to make it a yes. bit kind of weird? So make that clear and set the rules about Skippy, like who understands her. And then you could have these really weird moments where like Skippy is having these dreams and that's when you get like flashbacks of her former life as a human mm. and then having to deal with now she's a kangaroo and she can't she ever can't, let him know. Like a POV from Skippy's perspective yeah. and uh, what she's thinking and feeling. That would be exactly. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, look, I think cool. we, um, we'd we love to hear from everyone. And we'll, I'll, I'll sort of wrap up now, but we want to make sure that we've got everyone aware of how they can communicate with us. I definitely want to th- take the opportunity to thank all of the listeners who've been with us for the first season. We're going to take some weeks off to think about how we might improve, how we can deliver season two. So if you do have any ideas, please send us an email or a message on our Facebook page. We do have links in the description, but John, 
What is the email? Who should they be sending it to? So it's Skip It Podcast and it's Skip with a double P. So S-K-I-P-P-I-T podcast at Gmail. And also, if you've got some ideas of how you would reboot the Skippy show, we would love to also have a check out of them as well. And you know what we might even do, depending on what sort of responses we get, maybe we even kick off season two and we'll include some of the things that Mm. we got. Speaking of season two, John, when we get there, what will the first episode be about? All right, I'll give you guys a bit of a teaser. So season two, episode 40, well, episode one of season two, but episode 40 overall, The Raft. Sonny rescues a boy who has run away from home. When they paddle down the river on Sonny's raft, it falls apart. The boy admits he can't swim. I'll leave it there because there's a little bit that gives away all the end. So, yes, that's our um, first episode when we do come back. Also, I just also wanted to thank Lee and Ashwin uh, for doing this. I sort of came up with the idea and they came along and I really appreciate you guys helping me out and everything. So, yeah, thank you and thanks for all the listeners. Thank you very much for coming on this journey with us. Yeah, no, it was good. And I think we, like you said, John, no one has a podcast on Skippy. So at least we've kicked it off. We've started the conversation. It's been fun. I never thought I would ever watch this show growing up in New Zealand. It was just before my time. So actually watching it, I think is colored by personality and like it's got me into nostalgia and a simpler life it's just sort of simple it's almost like a type of meditation to watch skippy because it's like yeah. a simpler time yeah when oh. people can smartphone each other they got to work things out oh and episodic tv just yeah. love it you've got to start beginning and end you know i love just uh not having to worry about watching every single episode to get it i think they're having the benefit of individual episodes versus having the like obviously the benefit of a huge season arc because you really get to flesh the story out the plot yeah. and twist. And but look, i don't yeah. mind those but as i said it's just a it's a refresh because so much of television now is you know it has to have every story knocking onto the other yes well we've got more of that coming we don't exactly know when we'll return we're guessing in a few weeks until then i'm lee signing off and with me as has been for Every episode has been Ashwin. See you guys. And John. Thanks. See ya. Skip, 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 skip,